Church, I, mean, I want to fill the Lord's direction as far as continuing on out of 1 John. I know I've been doing that on Wednesday night, but I'm going to look at it again tonight and finish chapter 2 out with you tonight. So I'm looking at 1 John chapter number 2. We're going to look at verse number 18 down to verse 29. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 uh, through 29. Church, I mean, let's go ahead and read just a few verses here, and then we'll uh, pray and go. But in verse number uh, 18, the Bible says this, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come even now uh, are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the, the last time. Church, I want to preach on that phrase tonight out of verse number 18 where it says there in the, middle of the, in the middle of it there, it says, even now are there many antichrists. I know it's kind of an unusual title, but it comes right from the Bible, amen? And so I want to look at that because uh, really that's what the rest of the chapter is talking about is verse 18 through 29 is those antichrists. So we'll, we'll look at that tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know this is not a deeper subject. You made it very shallow when, it, when we think about there are so many people that are trying to pull people from the faith. And Lord, help us to understand tonight that, Father, we should be the kind of Christian that would know what the Bible teaches and what it says. And, Father, we would not be easily swayed by every wind of doctrine or every person, Father, that would try to draw us away from you. And Lord, again, may we in these last days understand how important it is to stand strong and Lord, to stay faithful and Lord, not to get sidetracked uh, with things or people or circumstances or even the problems of life. Lord, bless your people tonight. Lord, may we be focused on you every service. And Lord, even throughout the week, may we have our, that consciousness that you're there, that you have an answer to every question, a solution to every problem, a direction for every path. Lord, may we not miss what you have for us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Out of 1 John here, John, uh, John is talking to these believers. Now, church, I mean, he mentions this phrase, little children. I find it very interesting that this phrase, little children, is actually mentioned nine times just in the book of 1 John. And so I wonder who's he really talking to? Is he talking to children that are ad adolescents? Is he talking to people who are young in their faith? And, and I think that he describes now, in, even in this chapter, who these little children are. So I'm going to point that out first so, so that we know who he's talking to. In chapter number 2, look down in verse number 12. He mentions the little children a couple times. In verse 12, he says, I write unto you little children. And then he really describes who these children are. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. But church family, if you're saved tonight, your sins are forgiven. Aren't you glad of that? So I don't think that he's talking about adolescent children here. He's talking about children in the faith. He says, listen, you're saved and on your way to heaven because the Lord's forgiven you of your sins. He gives another description of the children also. If you look back at your Bible, look down in verse number 13. He says, and I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, here they are again, little children because ye have known the father. Now church family, you don't know the father unless you're saved. All righty. Uh, a person might know of the Father, but you don't know the Father until you become a born-again uh, believer that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried, rose again the third day, and he paid for your sins in full. And by believing on him, you received him as your personal Savior. Then you have a Father. All right, capital F, talking about the Lord and talking about God, our Father. In chapter 4, flip over that. One more description of these little children so we know who we're talking about here. In chapter 4, look at verse number 4. The Bible says this, he says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, uh, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, all right? So, simple question, little children, saved or lost? Saved. It's not talking about a child or an adult, it's just talking about somebody who's saved, their sins are forgiven, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, he's talking to believers here as he, as he finishes out chapter number two, all right? So, look again in verse number 18, let's pick it up now. In chapter 2 and verse number 18, the Bible says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now 
uh, there are many as, uh, in, I'm sorry, are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time? I was trying to get to the last part of the verse because twice in the verse he says we're in the last time. Now some might say that last time is something else, but truthfully, I don't care if it was when John wrote it or if it's now in 2024, we are in the last time. And what we might mean by the last time is the trumpet should blow. The, the Lord's, the Bible, obviously, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We will, which are alive remain, caught together in the air. We understand that we're going to go to heaven. Tribulation period takes place on this earth. But I believe that we're in those last times. The Lord could come back at any minute. Everything is fulfilled in prophecy for the Lord to come back today. So he says, even then, when he says in the last time, he says this thing about the Antichrist. Now let's look at it one more time. Verse number 18. Antichrist is mentioned twice in that one verse. He says, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. Now, church family, let's separate the two. He says, first of all, that Antichrist. And then he says, second of all, many Antichrists. All right. Now, church family, we understand what he's saying here. He's, when he says that Antichrist, he's referring to uh, the Antichrist that's going to be during the tribulation period. All right. He says, we understand that, that that Antichrist, in Revelation chapter 13, I contemplated going over there and teaching a little bit that tonight, but Revelation 13, verses 1 through 10, talks about that Antichrist. All right. And he's talked in the scriptures, in the New Testament specifically, the Antichrist is called the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians, the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians, that wicked one uh, in 2 Thessalonians, the Antichrist in 1 John 2, 18, and he's called the beast in Revelation chapter 13. But church, we're not going to deal with the Antichrist because we're not going to be here during the tribulation period. Rapture is going to take place, and once we take place, the tribulation period is going to begin, I believe. The Bible talks about seven years, the first three and a half years. This world leader, we've referred to as the Antichrist. Revelation refers to him as the beast. He's going to try to draw all the nations together under the idea of peace. There won't be peace, but the idea of peace, the last three and a half years, he'll desecrate the temple, and there'll be utter uh, destruction. And, of course, it'll be Jacob's trouble, and he'll be against the Jews. We understand that Antichrist. But what are the many antichrists that he's talking about here? In the rest of the chapter, this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about the antichrist of the tribulation period. He's talking about the antichrist that get into a church. You say, Pastor, where did that come from? Look at your next verse. The Bible says in verse number 19, he says, they, the they is the antichrist. I circled the word they, drew a line back up to the antichrist, the many antichrists in the previous verse, because that's the they. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. <laughs> now, there's a lot of us's there. And I've heard Christians and preachers use this verse to talk, to, to use this verse about backslidden Christians or disgruntled church members. Truth for me, that's not what this is talking about, all righty? There are a lot of people that get disgruntled that I would like to use that verse about, all righty? But that's not what it's referring to. It's not referring to somebody who gets upset with the preacher or somebody that get, leaves the church because of another church member. That's not, it's not they were of us, now they're not. In other words, we like to paint sometimes a bad picture for somebody who gets out of sorts with God. That's not the verse to use, all righty? This verse is specifically talking about an antichrist that's against God. Now, he's going to describe these, this antichrist that's mentioned here, and I want to point them out. Uh, and I, I think I'm just going to do them in order. The first one here is in verse number 19. The first description that he gives concerning these antichrists is they are not doctrinally like us. All righty? Now, I want to read the verse again just so we're on the same page, and I think as we get farther... Um, 
Church, I'm going to cut to the chase. I'm going to come back to this if you don't mind. I want you to jump down to verse number 22 because verse 22 really explains what these antichrists are. Verse 22, John says this, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. But church, I wanted to read that verse because that's really the second definition or description of these antichrists. But I want you to understand that these are not people that, that are offended uh, over something and that's why they leave. These are people who do not believe doctrinally the same way that we do. You know, I think sometimes uh, uh, we're, we're careful, if I can say it that way, I think sometimes we're careful about talking about us as if, you know, we're right and everybody else is wrong. Hey, church family, let me just make this very clear. This is what's right and everybody else is wrong. All right. It's real clear in the book. Let God be true and every man. All right. So when we refer to us, we're really not referring. I don't think John's referring to us in the sense that us is right. Everybody else is wrong. What he's trying to say is Christ is right and everybody else is wrong. All right. So when we make reference to the Heritage Baptist Church, the church is just an ecclesia, a called out assembly, a group of a body of believers that God has placed here, and we are nothing special. Christ is what's special, and this book is what's special, and that's what we believe, and that's what makes us different from everybody else. Now, church, when I say everybody else, I'm talking about this idea of what an antichrist is. An antichrist does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Church, isn't it interesting that God's chosen people do not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? Do you, do you find it interesting that our book was given to us by the Jews, uh, uh, that God used many a Jews to give it, write the book, Paul was a Jew? We understand that when this was writing, I think John was making it very clear that there are people that came among us that are not like us, and they, when they left us, we understood because, by the manifestation of their leaving that they were not the same as us. Are you all with me? So what he's saying, hey, listen, they might have been Jews that were in the congregation, but they didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That's an Antichrist. All right? So his description of the Antichrist in verse number 19 is they were not of us doctrinally in verse number 19. In verse number 22, again, who are these Antichrists? They deny that Jesus is Christ. They deny that Jesus Christ. I think it's very clear in verse 22. Look at it again. Who? Who is a liar? In verse number 22, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now, church family, what, what, what does he mean by Jesus is the Christ? The word Christ means anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the one that would come to take away the sin of the world. For a person to deny that, that's an Antichrist. And church family, uh, I don't know how to ask the question. How many are there? Many. That's what he said. There are many anti-Christ. Isn't it interesting that you have uh, Jacob and Esau, we have the Jews, and we have Islam. We have uh, all of this going around us. Islam does not believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe he was a good man. They believe he was a good prophet. But they, re they reject the idea that Jesus is God uh, when it comes to Islam. Mormons believe that Jesus was the brother to Lucifer. Now I want to tell you something. You can try to add as much good that you want to Jesus being, being a God or having deity. But I want to tell you something. When you say Jesus and Satan were brothers, something's really off on your doctrine. Okay, so again, when you go through many antichrists, there's a lot of people that do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's an antichrist.
He gives you one more description of these uh, antichrists. Not only were these antichrists, they were not us, of us doctrinally, and they deny that Jesus Christ is Christ, or the Son of God. Look at verse number 26 with me. He says, These things have I written unto you concerning them, them being the uh, antichrist that had gotten in the church and left. He says, Them that seduce you. Now, church family, this, I, the word seduce there means to, to draw away or to cause to go astray. Just remember, I want to tell you, there are so many people, again, what does he say in the, in the scriptures, that uh, we're not supposed to be um, moved about by every wind of doctrine. We're supposed to be careful to test the spirits. We're supposed to be careful not to listen to false teachers. There are many a person that has gotten, uh, gone down the wrong direction and gone the wrong way because of a friend or a coworker or somebody that they, they started to hang around and they start to question your beliefs and question, you know, the kind of church you're going to. And you only believe that because your church says that and your church is a cult and they're legalists and they start throwing around all these different terms. But the fact is that's an antichrist. They're not doctrinally the same. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And what are they doing? They're seducing you. They're seducing you. In other words, they've got this, this idea of a, and if I like how the Lord puts it in the scriptures, he says, it's a wolf in what? Sheep's clothing. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Years and years ago, we had a person that was a Mormon came to the church here, and I can't remember how long. Some of you would remember those a lot better than I, but it was a single fellow that had come to the church here, and he acted like he was so interested, and he wanted to start doing Bible studies, and it didn't take very long to figure out that he was still Mormon and he was trying to get our people to become Mormons and the best way he could do it is he thought he'd come to a Baptist church. It didn't work very well for him. And I want to tell you why it didn't work very well. It's not because this is a strong church per se and it's not because the pastor is, is overseeing like he should. It's because people know their Bible. They know what the Word of God says. And it's very interesting. I, start, I say that but that's exactly what John says here. John says, now listen, I've pointed out who these antichrists are, and I want to show you what will show you which ones they are. Look at your Bible now. Look at verse number um, 20. In verse number 20, he says this, but ye have an unction, that word unction means an anointing, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now, church family, take a wild guess. Who do you think the Holy One's talking about that you've got an anointing from? It's the Holy Spirit of God. The day you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, when I got saved as 11, you got saved when you were 7, you got saved when you were in your 20s or 30s, the day of your salvation, you were anointed with an unction of the Holy One. Church, I mean, do you know what keeps you from falling into false doctrine? You know what keeps you from those false teachers and these antichrists from drawing you away? There's something inside of you. I like, look what he says here. And again, I'm, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I just wanted you to, uh, to see it really in particular if I can. But look down in your Bible there. That's verse number 20. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning, if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. Ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Look at verse 27. Verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him. What's the next three words? Abideth in you, and ye need not that any man, man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, I don't know if you can get any clearer than that. That what keeps you from an antichrist, somebody trying to pull you away from God, 
is to understand that those antichrists, that you have the God inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God, that's, that's, that's all these warning flags should be going off in your mind. We just recently had this happen. Um, Martin had a friend that he met at college, and uh, he came to church here, I don't know how long ago, three months ago, two months ago, I lose track of time. And uh, he tried talking to some of you church members, and he didn't get very far. And so he wanted to come talk to me on his way out. We were the last two or three people in the auditorium. I think Brother Barnabas was there. I was there and a couple other guys. And uh, when he started questioning, talking, he believed again. I mentioned this in the previous service, I think, one time. He met the idea of that you don't have a choice, that we don't have a free will, that if you're going to be saved, God makes you get saved, basically. And those that aren't going to get saved, God's not going to allow you to get saved. All right? And I said, well, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't like that verse. And uh, for God so loved the world, he didn't like that verse. And anyway, he tried to use different verses on how we don't have a free will and that you don't really have a choice in the matter. Now, church, I want to just tell you something. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. Sounds like a choice to me. All righty. So anyway, but then the guy got a little bit uh, irritated and he started getting adamant with me. Well, I'm not going to mess with you. Number one, he was 20-some years old. I'm 54. I don't need some, I'm not even going to go there, Okay. You know, so and I just told him, I said, listen, I looked over to Martin. I said, Martin, this guy's, this guy's not a help to you. He's going to hurt you. You don't need to be hanging around. I told him right in front of the guy. Oh, and that really made him mad. All right. But you know what that is? That's an antichrist. Amen. We're not doctrinally the same. That's why you don't feel comfortable here. All righty. We believe the book. We believe what it teaches concerning the free will of man and that God wants every person to be saved. And they have to make a choice on whether they receive Christ or not. And the sin unto death is when you make the wrong choice. All right. Now, all that to say this is that we have a Holy Spirit inside of us that there ought to be bells going off and flags flying all over the place when somebody is trying to get us to believe something contrary to that book. I, I, you don't mind, thank you. I want to just take a couple more minutes here. Turn to John chapter 14 for a second. John 14. Now, Jesus is, you'll notice if you have a red letter edition Bible, Jesus is speaking all these words here himself, and he's talking about when I go to heaven, I'm going to leave a comforter behind. I'm going to leave a, a go-between. I'm going to leave a paraclete. I'm going to leave somebody that is going to help you. Since I'm not going to be here physically, I'm going to leave uh, the Holy Spirit to come behind you. Now, church, I, mean, I just want to pinpoint the verses. I don't know if you've already put the words next to them or not. I write them in my Bible just to help me when I'm studying. But in John chapter 14, verse number 16, John 14, 16, the Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you. How long? So, verse number 16, I wrote the word abide next to that verse, because that's what the Holy Spirit, he's not leaving me, he's with me forever. Look at chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall what? And not just some things, but what? He shall teach you all things. And is that not the same thing that John said in 1 John in that verse number 27? He'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Church family, who's the I? I'm sorry? Jesus Christ, correct? All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we don't have Jesus' physical form, but we have Jesus in the written form. Am I correct on that? So what is the Holy Spirit teaching us and bringing to remembrance? The words of the, the Bible, the words of Christ. Is, I wrote the word teach next to verse number 26 in chapter 14. What is the Holy Spirit doing? In verse 16, he's abiding. In verse, in verse 26, he's teaching. Uh, next chapter, chapter 15, look at verse 26. He says, but, verse 26, chapter 15, but when the comforter, 
that's the Holy Spirit has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. What's he going to do? Last phrase. He shall what? Testify. Testify. Hey, can I tell you, Antichrist, they're not testifying of Christ, but the Holy Spirit is testifying of Christ. And when somebody tries to tell you something contrary to the scripture about Jesus Christ and how they want to say he was a good man, he was a prophet, but he wasn't the one that can take away the sin of the world, there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that says, hey, my turn to testify. He is the son of God. He's the one that took away your sins. He's the propitiation for your sins. He's the go-between, the intercessor. And he's the one that got you to God the Father. And you've got access to him because of Jesus. He's testifying. That's why those things go off in your mind. Look at chapter 16 with me. Chapter 16, look at verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, Jesus speaking. For if I go, go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I put the word reprove next to verse number seven. Church, I mean, aren't you glad that when you're not doing right, there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that convicts you of sin? It, there's a bother. Hey, I want to tell you something. That, again, it's a warning flag. Don't just take it lightly. Oh, that's just my conscience. No, that's a Holy Spirit that's showing you. Church, I mean, do you understand lost people have a conscience and so do saved people? But lost people do not have a Holy Spirit that brings them under conviction about sin or false doctrine or wrongdoing. We have that. What else is the Holy Spirit doing? All right, you got your Bible. Go to chapter 16, jump down to verse 13. He says, how be it when he, the Spirit, Spirit of truth, and that interesting, he's called the Spirit of truth as well, is come, he will what? I put the word guide, verse number 13. Every day of our lives, what are you saying? God, would you please lead and direct me today? You know who does that? The Holy Spirit of God does that. He gives guidance and direction. And then verse number 14, one more thing about the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me, Jesus Christ, shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The church, man, can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit does every, I put the word glorify. The Holy Spirit does all of those things in our life. So when you get to 1 John, why is it John, the writer of the Gospel of John, John, the writer of 1 John, repeats himself and says, listen, there's antichrists that are trying to take you away from the Lord. There's antichrists that are trying to say that Jesus is not the son of God. He says, but can I tell you something? You've got a Holy Spirit inside of you that shows you that's not true. Amen. Turn to 1 John. Let me show you one more thing. He, he, he shows two things here, and I, I think you could say three, but two things particularly. He says, not only do you, does the Holy Spirit reveal these antichrists to you, but look at verse 21. 1 John chapter 2, verse 21. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. I think he's making reference to the word of God there because he used the word written. He used the word truth. And think about it. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we understand that you, if you want to know who the Antichrist are, Holy Spirit inside of me says that's not true. You want, to know who the, you want to know who the Antichrist are? Open up your Bible and see if what they're telling you follows the teaching of the Word of God. That's the bottom line. What do we do with our kids all the time? Hey, listen, if you want to know what you believe, find out what the Bible says. All these people that are going to be pulling you different directions. Just remember, I want to tell you something. Some of our young people, the Lord allows our young people to stay, and, and some of them are going to go into careers. We've had two of them that have done that, and they have to go to a secular college. There's two or three that are in the, in the auditorium right now. Uh, they're going uh, to secular colleges right now. 
you know, this is Scott Hanks speaking, but if it were me and my kid was going to have to go, or I should say have to, if it was God's will for them to go to secular college, I sure would rather them go to a secular college while they're living in my house. I wouldn't put them into a secular dorm. I wouldn't let them go into the world and, and be completely saturated. It's bad enough that they have to go to a, a secular college and, and hear the Bible downgraded and, and the idea of the history of civilization that, you know, Jesus is not God and the Bible is not the word of God. And they said, you know, it's crazy. They want to teach the history of civilization, but yet they want to talk about the word of God. It's beyond me. And they don't even know what the word of God is because they're lost. But so our kids, they have to get an education and some type of degree, but listen to the world's shenanigans and foolishness about what they don't know about the Bible and what they don't know about Jesus Christ because they're lost. It's the natural man. But I want to tell you something. If you're going to have your kid go to secular college, man, at least if you have them in your own home, you have an opportunity to be able to talk as a parent to a child or you have an opportunity to say, hey, no, that's not true. Or you have an opportunity as a parent to a child, you're not going to do that while you're at that secular college. Okay, I know this is another separate way, but we're hitting Antichrist right now. And I'm just telling you, at the secular college, are a bunch of Antichrists anti-Christ. And by the way, young people, come on, follow me for just a second here. You're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Why don't you have some adult spirituality about yourself? You don't need your mom and dad to say, no, that's not right. You don't need your mom and dad to say, "Uh, I don't think you should do that. You're saved. You've got a Holy Spirit that dwells inside you. You know that what they're telling you is wrong when it comes to the word of God. They don't know the word of God. They're not even saved. And then you've got a book on top of it. You've got a Bible that you hold in your hand. I want to tell you something. You're going to get yourself in big trouble if you want to try to think yourself as such a big adult and you think you know more than God. That book tells you what you should believe. I've got to do it because mom and dad said to. You don't do it because mom and dad said, oh, I've got to do it because the church says it. No, you don't have to. What reveals the Antichrist is that Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And between those two things, it doesn't matter what your age is. Did you, I mean, I'll find, find it quick enough in that chapter. Uh, are you there in chapter number two? Yeah, it's verse number 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him, of God, that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit, chapter two, verse 27. He says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Look at this phrase. And ye need not that any man teach you. Well, that's beyond, that's not really what we think. Well, you need your mom and dad to tell you what to do. I'm, I'm, we're not talking about seven, eight-year-olds tonight. We're talking about you young people that are just trying to figure out what God's will is. And part of God's will is for you to, to, to go into career. And listen to me, church family. Let's not get too hypocritical here. There's nothing wrong with having a career. All right? Amen. That's the bulk of our church. You're going to work a secular job tomorrow. So when we raise our children, there's nothing wrong with them if that's God's will for their life. And again, I think that we should be prayerfully asking, God, if it's your will, I'd love, I would love for my kids to all be in full-time Christian service. But that's not my decision. So if God doesn't lead them that direction, God, help me to make sure I keep the right protection. But when I can't protect them, they've got a Holy Spirit and they've got a word of God. Amen. Young people, could you not get that through your head? That I don't, It's not a matter of what mom and dad says. I'm saved. I've got a book. It tells me what I'm supposed to believe. All right, now let me close this out here. Here's, this is very interesting. So who are these antichrists? He says, first of all, he says, they are those who went out from us because they weren't the same doctrinally. They are those who deny Jesus Christ. They are those who are trying to seduce you and draw you away from God. What reveals these antichrists to us is the spirit of God, the word of God. But look what he says last of all. Now, church, I don't know if you noticed or not. And again, I think I've read most everything. But you get down to verse number 28. Look at the first four words in verse number 28. And now, little children. Here, I think, these last two verses is what keeps us 
from really following the Antichrist, from getting out of God's will for our life, from allowing the devil to seduce us or draw us away. What are the two things that are mentioned here? Verse number 28, here's the first one. He says, and now little children, what's the phrase? First three words. All right, now church family, come on. You've heard that how many times? Lots of times. Church family, do you know what causes us to stay on the straight and narrow? You know what causes us not to go to the left or to the right or to get sidetracked? It's abiding in Christ. I don't know it by heart, and you probably do, but can you turn over to John again with me? Turn over to John chapter 15. This is the famous passage for abiding in Christ. John chapter 15. Look at verse number 3. John 15, 3. Now ye are clean through the what? Which I have spoken unto you. You want to be a clean Christian inside? That's what, that's what cleans you out. It's the word of God. For, verse number 4. First three words. Say it together. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus speaking. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do what? If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words, what? Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. Now turn and look at verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall what? Abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Have you figured out, if I'm going to abide in Christ, I've got to abide in his word. Now you're clean through the word. Abide in me, my word in you. Do you understand? It's the word of God that keeps us on the straight and narrow from these antichrists drawing us away. Hey, listen, I, I love you. And I'm thank, very, some of you think whenever I start the word I love you, I'm about to knock you over the head. That's not going to happen, okay? No, because I really do, but love you. Not want to knock you over the head, but, well, anyway. Um, but can I give you, just tell you that God's been very gracious as far as the Sunday night crowd tonight. Amen. You know, I can't say that, and it's just humanly speaking, because obviously it's God, it's not, it's not who's behind the pulpit, but I'm not worried about most of you. I, to be honest with you, I'm probably more worried about our young people having Bible convictions, and I feel like the rest of you, you know, you're pretty stable. If somebody tried drawing you away, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd almost laugh them off, like, you know, you, you don't know what you're talking about, just what the Bible says. But can I just tell you that the devil is not going to ever stop trying to seduce. He's not going to stop. And let's face it, he's not going to use a total stranger to seduce you. He's going to use somebody that you know. You're not going to get drawn away because somebody comes knocking on your door. I'm from the Jehovah's Witness and I'm here to tell you there's 144,000 people going to heaven and you're not one of them. <laughs> I st I'm so glad I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. 144,000 people going to heaven. They've got to be a Jew, and I'm not a Jew, so I guess I'm not going to heaven. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is this. Be careful that you don't just give in, because the devil's very subtle. He's been doing this for now almost 7,000 years, and he started back in the Garden of Eden, and I'm telling you, he's pretty clever. Be careful that you don't allow people, hey, I just, I, listen, I want you to teach me, and to be honest with you, they don't want you to teach them. This idea of somebody come up to you and say, listen, I just want to study the Bible with you. And you know they're not doctrinally the same. And yet, boy, this might give me an end roll. I'm telling you something, you better be careful. 
So what keeps you from going down that wrong road? I want to tell you, abiding in Christ. Second one, last and all, and I'm done. The last thing that he says in verse number, um, I'll go ahead and read all of verse 28 if you don't mind. It says, and now little children abide in him, that, that, uh, and that when he shall appear, that's Jesus, we, sh- we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now look at verse 29. If, this is interesting, <laughs> I like this. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know, now he is being Jesus. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not, but this is how I interpret this, okay? Listen, I'm going to know if someone's trying to trick me up because I got the book. As long as I'm abiding in Christ, I got his word. I know what I'm supposed to do. But I want to tell you something. You also know by the righteousness of those who are trying to get you to go the wrong direction. Let's put it this way. Um, By their fruit, you shall know them. He says that if a person is doing righteousness, that's how you know if, know if he's born of God. In other words, by their actions, you know. Hey, can I tell you, two things that are going to keep you on the straight and narrow. Number one is make sure that you're abiding in Christ. Number two, just look at the actions of the people you're hanging around. If the actions of the people you're doing around, hanging around are like the actions that Christ would want them to have in their life, then guess what? You're never going to be duped by an antichrist. You're never going to allow somebody to teach you false, talk to you about falsely about the Lord that's going to draw you or seduce you or try to get you to go astray from Christ. So here he is in 1 John. All right, you're with me? I'm a, and we'll close and we're done. In 1 John, here's what he does in chapter number one. True, true test of fellowship. Are you having a walk with the Lord? Chapter number two, is your love perfected? Do you really love God like you're supposed to? Okay, now we're going to find out if you love God like you're supposed to. Then he says, do you love the brethren? Then he says, are you allowing the world to get your affection? Do you love the world? And now he says, those antichrists, are they trying to pull you away from God? Do you know what John's whole thing is about? Keeping your relationship with God good. Don't let the world steal it. Don't let an antichrist, a false teacher steal it. Don't let your own flesh steal it. Keep your fellowship with him. Stay in love with the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight as we again talk to the Lord tonight?